Hello, everybody. Hi, uh, welcome to Spouse Author Academy podcast. Welcome to our first show. We are so excited. I am your host for today, Tammy Dozier, and I am very excited to introduce you and to interview the founder and CEO of Spa, Dr. Michael V. Wilkins Sr. How are you doing today, sir? I'm holding on. How are you, ma'am? I am doing great, great, great. Um, I'm very excited about this first episode. Yay, for Spa. You know, we're heading in. Yeah, it's a, new it's a long time coming, but you made it happen. So thank you very much. <laughs> thank, thank you. So this is what I want to do. I want people to get to know you. Who is Dr. Michael B. Wilkins Sr.? Well, I'll be happy to tell you, but then I have to kill you. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was told that I'm a... Uh, a city boy with country ways. <laughs> so uh, I think I got the best of both worlds. Uh, I grew up on the south side of Chicago, um, uh, had nine siblings, single parent home, all the things setting you up for places that you really didn't want to be. But the truth is that uh, as a result of having a strong black woman to raise me, uh, that prevented us from getting into a lot of stuff that we probably could have gotten in. I grew up in the Boy Scouts, um, although that wasn't the case for all of my brothers. Everyone kind of did their own thing. But I think for some particular reason, whenever I did something, I always got in trouble. I always got caught. I'm like, why only me? Nobody, everybody else gets away with it and, and they're doing stuff out in the open. And anything I did, I got caught. So that told me I was a little different. So I had to be uh learn early on about being accountable for stuff. But anyway, my passion just grew from that, helping people um, from the military. Uh, I left uh, college and went to military. And then throughout the military, I got uh, all of my degrees, which I thought was a, a pretty good move since the government paid for most of it. Right. And then, of course, um, my passion for speaking was developed. I used to do things with uh, Les Brown, Zig Ziglar. Uh, we were part of the same organization. And so um, I found out that there was a lot more things to be done. And you would think that in this day and age right now, that we're still dealing with issues of racism and things like that stemming from years and years ago. So I found that that existed not only in various workplaces and the schools and so many other places, it also existed and still does to some extent in the speaking industry, the writing industry and stuff like that, anything to do with film or stage productions and stuff like that. So I decided that I could either sit around and complain about this or I could do something about it. And that's what I chose to do, which is how SPA, the Speakers, Publishers and Authors Association was born uh, as well as Spa Theater and Performing Arts Center. And now our new hub, we call it SMART, S-M-R-T, which stands for Spa Mississippi Redemption Theater. So um, it's a lot of stuff that we've been doing for a long time, and we are not done yet. That is beautiful, beautiful. So when you came up with what you wanted Spa to be, because right now it's like it's growing at, at a fast pace uh, more than ever. Is this what you dreamed of or you have much, much, much more? Yeah, it ain't even close to my dream yet. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think we've been uh, blessed tremendously. So I don't take those things for granted. 
uh, having um, wonderful and tremendous people around me like yourself, that certainly helps and makes it a little bit easier. But uh, SPA actually came to fruition in 2007. SPA actually stemmed from our first organization, which we call NASA, which was the National African American Speakers Association. But uh, what I began to learn is that um, along with speaking, there are a lot of other things that you can do and you have to do actually. So being a good writer, a published author, a entrepreneur, having marketing experience, all of these things go into what we're trying to do. So from the National African American Speakers Association, we expanded it to SPA, the Speakers, Publishers, and Authors Association, because we knew this. Back in the day when we were doing it, we were, you know, after your speech, we call it backroom sales. You know, we used to have to have our little cassettes or VHS tapes um, and things like that to sell along. with. And then we found out if you had a book, you also went to another level. So all of these things help us to understand that if you work together in all of these particular uh, enterprises, that you can do so much more than just being a speaker. Because if you're a speaker, once you're done, pretty much the retention is lost day by day. But if you have a book to go along with that, a DVD uh, and things like that, it helps to continue to allow your message to resonate long after you're gone and done. So that's kind of where we are and what we're doing. So how many books have you written? Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) Um, I know I've written at least 20 books. Um, I remember starting some time ago and and, uh, my first book was called Dear Mr. Jesus. And uh, it was just a question to Jesus about why the hell are you letting all this stuff happen? You know, child abuse, racism. uh, And I wrote a it was started off as a letter to him and started uh, ended up as a small book called Dear Mr. Jesus, because I was the one always asking questions. And folks, you know, back in the day when I was growing up, your mama, shut your mouth. You don't question, you know, this and this You don't question a lot of stuff. So that's where a lot of my trouble came in my life. I'd question everything. So and I encourage others to do the same. But uh, I've written quite a few books, and uh, I think there's still a few more in me. Okay. All right. Can't wait. So I know you have two significant, your last two have been very significant, very important, and passionate. You've been very passionate about the topics. Let's discuss those. What were the names of those two books? Well, the first one was Mississippi Mindset. And... uh, This book was written as a result of me being curious about my family history. And as I began to research my family history, as a matter of fact, of my nine siblings, I'm in the middle. And I was the first one. I was conceived in Mississippi and I was born in Chicago. And I was the first one in my family born in Chicago. So my sisters and brothers under me were all born there. My sisters and brothers all over me were born in Chula, Mississippi. So when I began to do the research, you know, and I used to go down to Mississippi each summer to spend with my granddad, but I had no idea the things that he was involved in he would do because as a kid, we were out there playing, you know, doing what kids do. But during my research, I discovered that not only was my granddad 
actively involved in civil rights. So I don't mean show up every now and then and stuff. I mean, Megger Evers, Fannie Lou Hamer, they were all at his home. The three uh, young Freedom Fire riders who uh, were killed in Mississippi stayed at his house. My granddad was one of the first black men to register to vote uh, in Lexington, Mississippi. And of course, um, as a result of this, during those particular times, what they would do is they would publish your name in a newspaper if you tried to vote and you were black. So that if you work for someone, they would fire you immediately because they did whatever they could to prevent you from voting. And so, of course, thank God, my granddad had his own business. He had a farm and did logging and stuff like that. But they, after he uh, attempted to register to vote, they came to his house that night, firebombed his house, shot it up with him inside my grandmother, my auntie, uh, and they were inside the house and my granddad came out shooting. So he was protecting his property and his family. And as a result, he actually killed one of the deputies. Well, the KKK, they were all in KKK uh, gear, but we later discovered that they were sheriffs and deputies. He killed one of the deputies and wounded another. And uh, so the next day they couldn't say, oh, they were involved in this a mess. So what they did is they tried to arrest him for actually bombing his own house and shooting up his wow. own house. Really? Yeah. Wow. And so, but the truth is, even Kennedy at the time, who was the uh, attorney general, Robert Kennedy, he actually got involved in this particular case. And so, of course, the case was thrown out. And what they ended up charging my granddad with was cohabitation. And for those who are not familiar with that, back in the day, there was an old law said that you couldn't live together, you know, as man and woman without being married. And I thought that was so funny to me. So, but my granddad did go on to get married to my grandma. So, but just to show a system of racism that was happening and the things they do and to think that here we are, in 2021, and this stuff is still happening. Yes. You know, we're still protesting and doing stuff. And it's so frustrating to think that after all of this particular time, we're still dealing with some of those same issues. Yep. So uh, voter, my voter position is... Yeah. I would say voter suppression, same thing. Still, absolutely. Still, still taking yeah. place right now. Yes. That's just amazing to me. But what I decided is I can't sit around and do nothing. It's in my blood. I'm a fighter for sure. So, but uh, the thing is that uh, after Mississippi Mindset, I discovered all of these particular things and put this in a book. And I decided, okay, that's one side of my family. I want to do the other side of my family. As I began to do the research, something occurred to me. So in my latest book called The American Mindset, I decided it's not about any particular town or state or city or group of people America, uh, I remember in Batman, uh, one of the pictures, the Joker said, the whole town needs an enema. And I get that about America because I found it's not just these particular places. It's all over America. In the city of Chicago, you know, when you think about Mississippi and the stuff going, people be like, ooh, Mississippi and stuff. City of Chicago is the most segregated city in the United it States. It is. How crazy is that? You know, and so while we're sitting there pointing fingers at all these different towns, what we have to understand is 
far beyond that. America has a problem. So uh, my latest book, American Mindset, it was designed with the same thing in mind to bring to our attention that, yes, we have some issues, but we can never quit. We can never stop trying to pursue the equality that we were born with. Now, how it got to the point where they believe that they're superior for some particular reason or not, that's beyond me. But what I know is that we have to be careful because it's not about us against them. And now we're in a particular place that as a result of number 45, the division among us is becoming even greater now. And some of the racial tensions back from the 60s and beyond are beginning to resurface as a result of nonsense, rhetoric, and mess that's being started by ignorant blank people. (laughs) So I'm just saying that it's ridiculous to me that this stuff is still going on. So and as long as it does, I believe that, you know, I have a responsibility to do whatever I can to help alleviate if nothing else, some of the ignorance through some of our seminars and workshops, helping our people that genuinely wants our help and helping other people who genuinely need our help with the understanding that we can help everyone because everyone is not going to receive your help. And that's fine with me. But I think once you recognize that you understand how important it is to do what you can, and then you have to keep on stepping. Because everybody's not going to understand. Everybody's not going to accept it. And some of the folks that look just like you and I are some of the main ones that, you know, we have to be concerned about, unfortunately. But it's still the truth. Very true. So those are the two books that are my latest two books, American Mindset and Mississippi uh, Mindset. It's called The Attitude of a Nation. And that's exactly what it is. It's the attitude for someone, people to think that they're superior to you based upon the color of your skin. I think that... uh, but along with racism, you have sexism. I mean, how is it that women are still talking about breaking the glass ceiling? What the hell is that? Because my position is, if women understand that it shouldn't be men against women, it has to be us together. And the truth is, some of the men who made these ridiculous laws and started this stuff, it takes a if you think about it, a whole institution and system and generations to get beyond this stuff, because how is it that women are being paid equally today? That doesn't even make sense to me. I don't comprehend that because if you do a job, I do a job, we're doing the same job, we should be paid equally based upon our experience and qualifications, et cetera. But the truth is, it's absolutely ridiculous to think that that's another ism that we're dealing with. So between sexism and racism, you know, you still have the stereotypes like that. And you have classism, which people don't talk about a lot. But the truth is, they talk about the home of the brave and a land of the free. And the truth is, just like they did when slavery was supposed to have been ended. And for those of you who don't know, it ain't quite ended yet. There's an article uh, called the 13th Amendment that says that they could still keep you in slavery uh, if you commit a crime. But that was some whole other stuff that goes in. And of course, a lot of that information is in the book because how is it that you could, by design, create an institution that's designed to keep other people down, be it women, be it blacks, be it those who are handicapped in certain ways or those who are poor? And this is the thing about classism, and it exists every single place. 
People say all the stuff that they want, but I promise you, you can do more with money than you can without. See, so at the end of the day, they know this. And so you can get together with a lot of like-minded and right-minded people. But if you don't have the resources to report your efforts, they're going to be in vain. And that's very, very frustrating. And so as a result, when they look at things that they talk about criminalized African-Americans primarily, it was because as soon as so-called slavery is supposed to be ended, they said, "Okay, y'all be free. Y'all go ahead now. But you ain't got no money. You ain't got no place to live. You ain't got no clothes. You ain't got nothing. And by the way, if I catch you hanging around because you ain't got nothing, we're going to lock you up. And we lock you up. We can put you back in slavery because that's a system that it was built on. How re- Okay, I'm done. That's it's just it's, it's ridiculous and it's frustrating. And we are still dealing with this now. That's just crazy to me. So, like Marvin say, Gay said, it sometimes it just makes you want to holler. I know that's right. Or, or worse. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. So, this is my question to you. So, you know, we have our monthly spa meetings, and oftentimes we get people that come in and they say, "Well, I have been working on this book for ten to twenty years, and I'm still not done." What do you have to say to those people that say they've been working on books 10 to 20 years? And does it take 10 to 20 years to write a uh, book? Well, I say they're retarded. And no, no, <laughs> I'm serious. Look, let me just say this because Tammy knows, but most people don't know. I'm not politically correct. I have no aspiration of being politically correct. So I say things, but I want you to know that many times they're in jest. I'm not making any demeaning remarks or comments about anyone, but those are just how I express the ridiculousness of such a situation. A book to write 10, 20 years. First of all, 20 years, you could write a whole book about your life, but that's 20 years. So think about it. If you live to be 40, you got 20 more years that could go into that book. So that's ridiculous to think that it would take 10, 20 years to write a book. What people mean is when they say stuff like that, what they mean is, I've been busy doing other stuff, that this has not been my priority, that I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. That's what that means. If it takes you 20 years to write a book, yeah, I can't comprehend that. I don't think it took the Bible 20 years. (laughs) But the truth is, what you have to keep in mind is that the the short answer is no, it doesn't take 10 years, 20 years, five years. It doesn't even take a year to write a book. If this is something that you truly want to do, If it's something that you truly prioritize in your life, uh, and I say that that's important and people should stop what they're doing to do this because it's so important. Because one of which is you don't know how long you got. See, so there are a lot of people was talking about writing a book, but they're dead now. So somebody else had to write it. And that's another thing I caution people about. Why are you going to let somebody else write your book for you? Because they might get it wrong. You know, I don't want y'all telling my life story and stuff. So I have to tell it myself because y'all might get it wrong. See, because, you know, I know if I let Tammy say it, she's going to be talking about, oh, I did this and, and how I did this and, and all this stuff. And if I let some folks, they're going to say some really great things about me that <laughs> most of which ain't true. But when I'm alive, I ignore them. I ignore the hell out of some folks. Uh, that's, that's who I am because it takes away from my time, from my creativity for my productivity, if I'm wasting my time trying to defend crap, you saying. Right. So 
we always challenge people to do your own book. And even if it's not necessarily about you, because I believe everyone has a book into them. Everybody has unique experiences. If a group of us, five, six of us wrote a book with the exact same title, I promise you the content will be different. Unless they just, you know, back in school, copying right. off each other. But, but the truth is that you all have unique experiences to draw from. You all have unique talents to draw from. You all have certain situations that you've been through in your life. And Tammy tells some tremendously great stories about her coming up and situations she had to deal with in her life. But that made her who she is today. That doesn't mean she has to stop. But that made she could not have become the woman that she is today if she had not went through those things. It's the same thing for me. Had I not had an opportunity to experience some of the things, like, and some of the experiences was painful, just because we and we don't mean like, oh, uh, my life is all peachy king and stuff like that. Right. And some people say, well, if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't change a thing. I'll leave it just where it is. Well, I would change a few things in my experience that I went through that I don't want to go through again. But the truth is, I would not be the person that I am now had I, you know, been removed from those situations. So it's the same thing. While some are painful, those are some of the things that cause you to grow. If you think about it, anything that becomes of any value had to go through some stuff. They talk about the pressure of a diamond. It was just cold, but through years and years of pressure, it became a diamond. You know, if you take a seed and you put it into the ground, what happens is that seed busts open, the seeds come, and then it has to get through this dirt and grow. That's the stuff that we have to do. So you have to go through these particular experiences. So in terms of doing a book, many times I just think people are distracted very easily. Uh, they don't have the information that they need and they uh, don't know what to do. So that's why I'm really grateful for the leadership and the things that we have within SPA, the Speakers, Publishers and Authors Association, because we alleviate a lot of that nonsense, the excuses, the distractions and get stuff done. Every year uh, we do um annual collaboration, a book collaboration, where we give authors an opportunity to come and be a part of a book so that they can become a published author until they're ready to do their own book. So we create a lot of different opportunities for folks to get them away from that excuse stuff about, oh, it's taking so long, or that's what I'm doing. It just, the short end, it doesn't take that long. And if it's taking you that long, you need to come join Spock. Hello. So what about those people that say, you know what, I sit down and I'm trying to write, but I just can't think of anything. I can't remember anything or I've been working on it for about six months now. And when I sit down and type, I can't, you know, that writer's block thing. What do you say about that? A lot of people bring that up. So let me tell you something. And if you guys need to, if y'all pay attention to this, because, you know, you got all of these um, sayings that people say all the time, but that doesn't mean they're true. There's no such thing as writer's block. Whoop, there it is. There's no such thing. That's a made up crap by somebody who didn't want to do no writing because this is the truth. And if anyone who writes, they can attest to this. If you 
are writing, you just need to write. Some people worry about the structure, how to put stuff together right. and all of this stuff. And that takes away and discourages them because they're like, oh, I'm not going to be able to do this. I don't have nobody to help me. And so they make excuses and they talk themselves out of it. Do you know how many times people have come up with tremendously good ideas and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that at night. And then they wake up in the morning. Who I think I am? I can't do that. I ain't got no money. I'm too black. I'm too short. I'm too this and too that. And talk themselves out of stuff. And that's what it happens as it pertains to this so-called writer's block. All that means is, you know, you don't have a fresh flow of ideas. Sometimes you have to walk away. If you're me, you go get you a piece of cake or some pie or some cookies or something sweet, some snacks, some junk, clear your head and stuff. You might have to walk away, watch a program, do something else, and then come back to what you're doing. Many times when, when they talk about writer's block, it means that it's just not a fresh flow of ideas continually going. And this is a method that they use to talk themselves out of it. Because actually, what I found is when you don't feel like writing, you're like, oh, I can't think of nothing to write. I recommend you go to your computer, your pad and pen or whatever device you use and start writing. It doesn't matter what you write. Just start writing. And you'll be absolutely surprised that the things that begin to flow from yeah. you, you know, and for me, because of who I am, I know it's not necessarily coming from me. It's but God, because I don't think I'm that smart. And I think uh, the truth is that a lot of things that if you do what you're supposed to be doing, the rest of that stuff will come. So I don't think anybody should get harp on the excuse about writer's block. That just means that, you know, you got some other things going on. You got some distractions around and things yeah. like that. But if you really are serious about writing, you're going to write. And the truth is, people ask the same thing. Oh, how much should it be? How big should a book be? Right. How many pages? We consistently tell you, you write until you're finished saying what you have to say. Then put your pencil down. Then it's time to work on putting that book together, publishing it. So, but yeah, there's no such thing as writer's block. People say that all the time, saying that you can't think of nothing. Then is there a such thing as a worker's block, which means that you can't, can't work. work. <laughs> right. Like, is there such thing as relationship block? You're like, right. yeah. All the folks are like, uh, I'm single and, and I'm happy and all this stuff. And that's cool and stuff like that. But on them lonely nights when the demons come out and chasing you all <laughs> over the room and you got to go to the draw with batteries. Okay, back to the book stuff. I'm just saying that there's no such thing as writer's block. People say a lot of stuff about a lot of different things, but that doesn't make them true. And I want to just uh, piggyback on what you were saying about just sitting down writing. Sometimes we have a structure in our mind, but when you mm -hmm. begin to write and just writing it, writing whatever comes to mind, it changes. Absolutely. And it may be that whatever you're thinking that you should write about, it should go in a different direction. Absolutely. So, or, or it could be a different book. Because yes. sometimes in the midst of writing one book, a phenomenal idea comes and I'm like, well, it's fresh. Let's get this. So that is uh, that's very true. But People don't know that if they succumb to the, oh, I got writer's block. And that's just an excuse. Very true. All right. So as far as spa goes, so we provide uh, you with information for writing books. What else do we do? Do we provide editors? Do we help with marketing? What can we share with people? What does spa do? What can I do to get my book started? Well, I think that the uh, important thing is the, when we thought about uh, spa, we thought about the Oh, shebang. So it's not just, oh, you get your book published and you're out of here and stuff. 
We provide everything that you need from concept to completion. And what that simply means is your ideas, whatever it is that you have, when you have ideas about how your book cover should look and things like that, we have people that can help you with that. I know this young lady, you know, she does a phenomenal job writing. She writes under a pen name, but she had this one book cover and she was uh, talking about this and she sent me samples of it. I was like, whoa, now this one's going to get the the ladies and this one's going to get everybody. And she has some very creative stuff that she comes up with until she got it right or the way that she wanted it. And we do the same thing. So the same thing as far as for editing your book, a lot of people don't write very well. That's very, that's just the truth. And I know some people who have been writing for some time and you still have to check some of their stuff and that's okay. The problem is you're embarrassed or don't want anybody to see the fact that, you know, you don't know nothing about adjectives, nouns and verbs and stuff like that. And that's fine. I only heard about them when I showed up in the wrong class one day. So, but the truth is what you got to understand is your job is to write. We have people that can help you with through the editing process and getting it structurally sound and things like that. So we have packages at small where you're able to obtain your ISBN number, which is uh, required for any books, especially if you want to put out on the market. We make sure your book is properly copyrighted so that nobody else could steal your work. We make sure that you have the barcodes and stuff that are required so uh, you can sell your book internationally, anywhere in the world. So I think that there's not a thing that you could think of that we want to help you with. However, there is one thing that I know for a fact that SPA does that no other publication company does in the country. And that is what we call our 50% loan program. And what that simply means is that to help you get started with your book, we will pay 50% of your uh, your book to cover your costs for you. And then what happens is we loan that amount to you so you can get your book done, get your book to you, and you have 30 days after you received your books so to pay your 50% loan for that particular book. Ain't no credit checks. Ain't nobody going to be hounding you about stuff. But our position is this, you know, and I mentioned earlier about the uh, classism Everybody can't afford uh, the book. And I know one of the things that we were going to talk about is the fact that some people say it costs literally thousands of dollars to print, get your book printed. Actually, that's a true story, depending upon who you use. Now, there are companies out there now will charge you several thousand dollars to get you one copy of a book and promise you it's going to be displayed beyond, you know, to the world. And technically, that's true. Because what their mythology is that, hey, if we can get your book on the internet, then millions of people can see it. And they could. But will they? The answer is usually no. And besides, even those who see it, that doesn't mean they will purchase it. So you have to be very careful uh, because you can get a very good book published at a very economical cost. Our structure is kind of simple. We just need to know what size your book is. The standard book size is six by nine. We need to know how many pages in your book because those pages is what you're paying for. And that determines the thickness of your book and how they bind it and stuff like that. Finally, how many copies of the book do you want? And we will print 
our minimum is 50 books to 5 million books if you want to. So those are the three things that you have to know so that you can get a realistic price. And what we do here at SPA is if you're a member of SPA, we charge you whatever cost is. It's at cost. Whatever they charge us to do your book, that's all you charge, not a penny more. Now, we don't want you to think we're requiring you to join SPA because we still will help you even if you're not a member of SPA. It's just going to be a 20% upcharge and you're going to pay other folks a lot more. So why not pay us professionals to help you do what you want to do with no obligation to be a part of SPA? We just believe membership has its privileges. And so as a result, we're going to take very good care of our members. We're not going to mistreat anyone else that's not a member, but you best believe you're going to get some stuff as a member of SPA that you can get nowhere else. Now, what I wonder, because earlier you mentioned like ageism and all of that. So some people probably say, well, you know what? I am too old to write a book and nobody wants to hear it. And I know that we have people within our organization that are older as well as they don't have to have a computer or a typewriter or anything. What would you say to those people? Well, I would say uh, that reminds me of, of my mom. My mom is 84 years old. She'll be 85 this year, God willing. And she was working for the state of Illinois for 20 some years. And at the age of 60 something, they decided, oh, y'all got to go back to school. If y'all don't have a degree and stuff, we're going to fire y'all. And my mother said, that's ridiculous. Why would they want me to get a degree at this time in my life? Do you know I'm going to be 60, whatever? And I said to her, whether you get your degree or not, you're going to be 60 something anyway. Right. So why not if this is what you want to do? And she went on to get her, she had a bachelor's, but to get her master's degree. And she has always uh, reminded me of how grateful she was that I helped her to understand how important it was to do stuff. And don't let your age become another one of those reasons that you don't do whatever you do. I think those who are elderly, uh, more mature, as we like to call them, because I want to get in trouble calling nobody old. But uh, I think that what they have to keep in mind is, first of all, that's probably where some of the best books have come from because of the experiences that they went through, the things that they've seen, the things that they had to overcome. And I'm just blown away every single day as I continue to listen to my mom about stories of things that took place in Mississippi and when she was growing up and stuff like that. So I think regardless of what, what your age is, if it's something that you want to do, we could certainly help you do it. And for those of you who don't want to do it, I think that you should also think about how selfish that could be. I'm calling it like it is, but how selfish is it of you to die with all of this information and knowledge inside of you where you can be a blessing to so many others? And some people's lives that you'll touch, you will never know. You'll have no idea unless they have the opportunity that you are part of the organization and you're out doing speaking and people are telling you these things. But I think it is so selfish for people to have all of this knowledge and wisdom and to keep it inside of them. I wrote a book called The Richest Man in the Cemetery. And one of the things that stems from that is the fact that you can't take it with you. I don't care what it is. All these things that uh, material things that we think had so much value. When you're on your dying bed, you understand none of those things are that important. 
you trying to remember all the things you've done and how you can negotiate with God so that you can get a little extra time. So my position is that I think it's selfish for you not to share those experiences and things that could be a blessing to other people. So I think everybody should write at least one book. Exactly. And they don't have to use a computer because we would have people transcribe and do whatever it is that they need to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, sir, is there any last words that you want to give to the people out there? Well, first, I want to uh, find out why is it that you believe I'm going to die now since it's just last words, like, you know. Oh, you know. But I guess you didn't mean it. I didn't say last rights. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, idea to even do these particular podcasts, because I think it could be really helpful for the people who are not sure on how to get to the next level in terms of becoming a published author or a professional speaker or even a business owner. I'm grateful for that. But what I'd like to challenge all of you out there that are listening or watching, for you to understand how important it is, not only for you to do some things that you've been put on this earth to do, but to encourage those around you. And this is what we have to be careful of. We just challenge you, invite them to a spa meeting. We're doing a lot of stuff virtually now as we're beginning to open back up. Perhaps uh, we'll be doing more stuff live, but challenge you to invite other folks to see for themselves what spa can do for them. I mean, at the end of the day, that's kind of the bottom line. You want to know what can you do for me? So, and I understand that. And the truth is that, um, Everybody has different things. When I wrote a a book some time ago called No Secrets to Success, one of the things that I brought to the attention of everyone was success means different things to different people. So while some people think it might be having a lot of money in a bank account or under their mattress, uh, some people might think it's running a successful business. Some people might think it's just having a great relationship with your spouse or significant other. There are some people just think that if they got a house full of cats, they are living the life. So I said, share this because you have to determine what success means to you. You have to be the one to determine, not your mom and them, not your auntie Nam, not your brother Nam, none of them. But you have to determine because otherwise you're never going to be happy. You have to find out what makes you happy and pursue that. And so with this in mind, encourage other people to do the same thing. Don't try to convince people to do what you do. Don't try to convince people to be like you are. Allow people an opportunity to be who they are, to become who God has placed them on this earth to be. Something that there is built inside of them from birth. Now, unfortunately, a lot of people don't make it to the realization of their true purpose in life. And that's a sad, sad situation. Our job here at SPA, the Speakers, Publishers, and Authors Association, is to ensure that we do everything that we can to assist you in becoming the person that you were placed on this earth to be. That's who we are. That's what we do. And so we invite you all to join us, our website, www.spausa.org and www.spatheater.org. You can always call us at 708-748-9470. And all we want to do is give you an opportunity to stop talking about the things you're going to do one day and do them today.
All right, sir. Well, thank you so much. I am so grateful to be interviewing you for our first podcast. So I want to thank everybody for listening to the Spa Authors Academy podcast. You will be able to listen to us every third Saturday of the month. Hey, thank you guys. Have a good one.